edition of Our Fathers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my new older brother, Michael Kuhn. Michael just decided to finally make the transition, and he cut off all his hair. He is a woman now. He... (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh... Michael decided to bite the bullet, and he shaved his head. We're all very proud of him. Congratulations, Michael. You know, maybe maybe it was me holding onto my hair that was holding the browns back. Maybe, like, getting rid of the hair is, like, the vibe change that we needed to go in the right direction. It's like a reverse Samson situation. Oh, man. So many men have to make the call every single day, and it takes courage and bravery. And, Michael, you did it, and we're proud of you. I'm here. Yeah. Brought to you by <laughs> Barbasol. <laughs> Not really. Dollar Shave Club now. Um, and my middle brother, Matthew. Hey, guys. All right. So a lot of things going on in the Browns world. We are no longer in the offseason. There is news on news on news when it comes to the Browns. So we're going to go through a pretty basic formula. We're going to talk about it in chronological order. First, we're going to talk about the trades that the Browns made. Then we're going to transition into um, the 53-man roster cuts. Lots of changes there. Um, And then a couple of pickups that we made after that. Um, We're going to transition. We have a regular season Browns game coming up in five days. A real game. A real Gosh. We are going to get to see this team in full force in five days against the Tennessee Titans in Cleveland. Um, It is going to be rocking there. I cannot wait to talk about that. Um, And then we are, all three brothers, going to make our record predictions. And as we do in the regular season, we are going to pick the lines of the primetime games. Um, And we are going to keep track of those lines all throughout the entire season. Michael is probably going to interject here about how he won last year, that he did. I'm biting my tongue. Um, and I got second. Matthew got dead last. Um, would have lost a ton of money if he had actually bet. Um, I also would have lost money if I had a bet, so that's only fair to say. Um, we did get a chance to call our grandfather. We always like to talk to him, um, and we know you love to listen, so here's that. Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. How are you? Hello, Matthew. <laughs> What's new? Oh, nothing much. I'm just starting to get excited about this Brown season coming up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I haven't talked to you in a while. just wanted to call and check in. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to it, too. I can't wait till they start. They're, they're, they're playing uh, your Titans over there to start with. My Titans? I, just because I live here in Nashville doesn't mean they're my Titans. <laughs> well, hey... I know your loyalties lie with the, with the Brownies. For for better you know, or worse, it's been it's been a rough couple years, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is this is going to be the the uh, turning point here. I, uh, I I hope they get this uh, they get this Hunt guy back in the fold here. If they get him off of his detentions and everything, you know, <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I think that uh, things are going to be really good. I'm looking forward to it. I was trying to get the final roster count on here. Uh, kind of the uh, yeah, I think they're through trading. I think they, I don't know if they got anybody off the off the wire or not. Uh, I haven't. Uh, well, haven't so, seen anything. So since huh? since Saturday when those the like final cuts came out. Um, they picked up three guys 
from other teams' rosters. We got a tight end from the Cardinals. We got a linebacker from the Bengals. And we got the wide receiver from, from the Rams as well. I see. Well, I, uh, I, was, I was kind of pleased with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the, how the, uh, the guys that they, they, they kept here. I like that, that, uh, that uh, Gilbert, the quarterback. I thought he was, I, I was hoping they were going to keep him because he, he looked pretty good. He's, he's probably going to be the third, third stringer, but it doesn't matter. I think they, they can't afford not to keep the guy. He was too good to let go, I think. Yeah, hopefully we don't have to see how good he is or not. Um, I'd I'd prefer if he never had to play. Yeah, well, uh, this uh, uh, I I like this uh, Curtis Johnson, this running back too. I uh, I thought uh, I thought he was he showed pretty good. Well, they let's see who's this. Well, they got well, you know they they haven't played they haven't played Garrett worth a damn. Say, uh, he, Yet, you know. But when and we did, when we did, it looked great. Like in that, yeah, Tampa, in that Tampa game, we had seven sacks. Yeah, but I mean, yes, they haven't really used them a lot, but they, they, weren't, they weren't planning on using them a lot either. All these, uh, all these uh, uh, starters, you know. This Vernon, this, this defensive end, I thought he was, he, he looked pretty good, I thought. He's your type of defensive lineman. <laughs> Poke him in a stick and see him some raw meat. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, who really looked good, I think, was this Dontrell uh, Hilliard, the running back. Yeah. That guy really looked really good, I thought. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think, I think we've got some really good, young, cheap position players, especially at running back there. And then we'll have a decision to make once Kareem Hunt comes back because he's not currently counting on the 53-man roster while he's suspended. Oh, so, but he's out for eight, he's out for eight games this season. <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, and, and by that point, it very well could be that one of these guys is hurt, and it doesn't even make a difference. We don't have to get rid of anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, eight games in an NFL season's a long time. Yeah, so we'll yeah, see. But yeah. I'm I'm very pleased going into the season with Nick Chubb, Dontrell Hilliard, and uh, Darnus Johnson as our three running yeah. backs. Well, I don't feel bad about yeah. that at all. I was watching this Dontrell Hilliard, and this guy really, really looked good. You know, he, he reminded me of uh, of uh, Sproles. You know, he played for the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's a little bit bigger, but I think everybody's bigger than Darren Sproles. <laughs> yeah, you know, these guys they come out of the backfield, nobody can see him. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, and I I got a kick out of watching him. He was pretty good. You know. I, I would like to have Sproles too. I mean, I thought this guy was really good. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, is there is there anything in particular that you're excited about watching the Browns um, through the preseason that you're looking forward to watching in the regular season? Well, one thing I was a little bit a little bit concerned about was that uh, Mayfield's passes were all sailing, and you know, they and some said, well. He didn't have any receivers there. They were all second stringers there. They were, hell, that doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter, who, doesn't matter who you're throwing to. If you're throwing them over their head where they can't catch it, you're not having a very good day. Now, he knew he didn't have a good day, but, you know, good quarterbacks have really good days, and then they have days when maybe it's not so good. 
Yeah, they had a bad day, and I, I said, that's, that's water over the dam. You know, I, I think that everybody's entitled to have a day when you're, when you're not that good. I mean, what did you do? He was playing the first series in all these games. He didn't have enough, enough work time. You know, so I, I'm letting that go. Don't you think that uh, Baker, even when he's having a bad day, is going to be better than what we've been working with for the past couple seasons? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Baker on his worst day over um, Brandon Whedon on his best day every oh, single oh, time. Or Johnny Manziel on his best day. Oh. Hey, talk, talk about Johnny Manziel. Did you see her on a commercial? Yeah, he's like selling car insurance now or something, isn't he? I almost shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, I'm Johnny Mandel. Hey, hell, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and I sure as hell am not buying that car insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. I was really busting a gut watching. Oh, that's so funny. But, so. Yeah. So what do you think? How confident are you going into the season? Do you have a record prediction for us? Well, I, I don't want to be too optimistic, but I, I, I hope the hell we win nine. What do you think? So our schedule looks really easy. It starts out kind of tough, the, the first six, six, seven games out of the gate. We've actually got two easy ones out of the gate, I think, with the Titans and the Jets. But then it gets a little harder in that, like, games three through seven stretch but then the last uh, yeah. nine games on our schedule are very winnable so i'm yeah. hoping i'm hoping we can kind of come out the gate play 500 football and then take off down the stretch yeah. and win six seven would, eight of the last nine and, and carry us into the wonder, playoffs that would be wonderful if we could do that yeah i'm looking forward to a good game here i think I hope they don't look past the Titans or anything, you know, because you can't do that. We've got the Jets next week, so I don't think there's much looking forward to that. Um, and also, did you see the Titans? Uh, Taylor Lewan, their um, Pro Bowl left tackle, is suspended. Um, and so they're throwing a backup there in at left yeah. tackle to go up against Miles Garrett. Good luck. Yeah, well, <laughs> anybody's going to have a problem with Miles Garrett. It could be a it could be a long day for Mariota. Um, okay, say, you got Mark over there too. Yeah, Mark's here. Yeah, I'm here, Grandpa. Okay, okay Mark. How you doing? How's your how's your love life coming, Mark? Well, it's just going, Grandpa. Going as ever. Um, I'm still dating that same girl. How about you come up to Cleveland for the Rams Browns game week three? Uh, that that'd be nice. But you know what? I got the 65-inch TV set over here, <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, you cannot see the game as well as you can on my 65-inch TV. <laughs> well, I'm going to be watching on the 190-feet-wide Jumbotron at First Energy. <laughs> well, anyway, we got, we got to go, Grandpa. We love you so much. Okay, guys. I love you, too. Thanks for calling. All okay. Right. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Bye. Um, but let's talk about these trades. All right, so a couple of things that the Browns did. Um, we traded for Wyatt Teller, um, the Buffalo Bills guard who started a bunch of games last year for the Bills. Um, we traded a fifth and a sixth to the Bills. We got Wyatt Teller, and we got a seventh back. What okay. do you guys think about this? Okay, Wyatt Teller, super solid depth player for the short term, I think, for the Browns. 
I think a lot of us have assumed that they are going to try him at both guard spots and might be a potential starting option later this season at right guard if things don't go well with Eric Cush. I think that's fine. But in the near term, I think it's Eric Cush's job. I wonder, do you think... The great thing I think about this Wyatt Teller thing, before I continue on that thought, Wyatt Teller's only going into his second season in the NFL. He was just yeah. drafted last year. He's I on agree. a rookie contract. This He's is like a- such a valuable player that has like played meaningful NFL snaps, graded positively, such a good player to get at this point in his career. We have three more seasons of Wyatt Teller on his rookie contract. That's awesome. So love all of that. I wonder, is it an option for us to kick Joel Batonio out to left tackle and for Wyatt Teller to be our left guard next year? How long have we been talking about this? But, I mean, potentially. But, I mean, I don't even care because I think Wyatt Teller is going to be our starting right guard after, like, week two. I think going into week three against whatever the team we put, the Rams. That's the game I we're think, going to. It's a game you should remember. It, it is. I think Wyatt Teller is going to be our starting right guard. I read a handful of, like, articles that were written mid-season last year from, like, Buffalo beat writers and Buffalo um, – like writers about him as he made the transition into like the starting lineup and stuff. And he seems like a mauler, but a mauler that graded fairly well and very athletic. And I know that the bills picked up a bunch of depth on the offensive line. And so he became an expendable piece, but it does make me wonder like, why was he the one that was expendable? Is it just because the Browns wanted him and they had nine guys that they like, and he was kind of the one they could get something for. I don't know. We didn't give up that much for him. It was late round picks and some swapping back in the late rounds. Like I am thrilled with this from a value perspective in particular. So we also traded for Tawan Taylor of the Tennessee Titans for a conditional pick. Probably going to be a seventh really late. Um, But, I mean, we play the Titans this upcoming week. How valuable is the intel that we're going to get from Taylor? I'm surprised the Titans were willing to trade him to us. Same. Uh, It doesn't hurt. And Taewon Taylor's better than any of those guys we were talking about in the fifth or sixth spot on our roster. So I'm thrilled to have him. I feel like his skill set is – do you agree with this? And I probably not watched as much Titans as you, Mark, and maybe you too, Matthew. But I feel like Taewon Taylor and um, Antonio Callaway are very similar players. He was certainly going to get cut from the Titans, and that's obviously why they made this trade. Um, But there's a chance he has returned punts in the past. There's a chance that he could return our punts um, if we didn't like the options of Hilliard or any of these other guys returning our punts, which not too excited about any of them anyway. There's a chance that we could see that until Antonio Callaway returns. Um, Also, we traded for Justin McCray. Um, he was also certainly going to get cut from the um, from the Green Bay Packers. Um, maybe there's a James Campen connection there. We swapped or swapped late round picks with them. Um, so maybe Campen really likes this guy. I don't know. This didn't cost much. He's also not very exciting. He hasn't been all that great whenever he's played. He he started along four offensive position or played for the Packers along four offensive line positions last year. He's he's very dynamic. Um, not a great high-end player, but has a history with Campen, has a history with some of our coaching staff and front office staff. I think it's a good temporary depth play until a guy like Drew Forbes comes back, who we saw them make the move, and we'll get to this later, 
where they were very intentional about putting Drew Forbes on the IR when he could return. Yeah, they like Drew Forbes. Play. Like, we clearly want Drew Forbes to be available. So I wouldn't be surprised if McCray's on our team for six weeks until Drew Forbes comes yeah. back and then is kind of the roster casualty there. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not sexy by any means, but you know James Campen knows this guy, and he had to have vouched for him and said he's an offensive line coach, and he said, yes, it would be a good move for us to get this guy on our team. So you got to trust him in that instance. Um, love Campy. Excited for him. That's, it's got to be a good move. You can't think anything else about it. Um, so let's move on to we cut down. So we moved uh, down to the 53-man roster. There were plenty of notable cuts. Um, first and foremost, we cut our punter, a Pro Bowl alternate, not a Pro Bowler, as I said in our last podcast, a Pro Bowl alternate, uh, Britton Colquitt. We cut Set the Valve, Ray Ray Armstrong, Carl Davis, Derek Willies, Anthony Zettel, um, which, by the way, I'm super proud. I saw lots of people, like, super surprised that Ray Ray Armstrong got dropped. And all along, the entire time, we've been talking about how Ray Ray was going to be the one that was going to miss out because his contract didn't have nearly as much guaranteed or dead money as uh, a Darius Taylor. We nailed that one. And so many people had us keeping six linebackers, which never made any sense to me. The five linebackers that we landed on is perfect. But, but Plus we, we have, have, Willie we Wright have on six the linebackers squad. now with Malik Jackson. Oh, that's true. Not is it Malik? Yeah, it is yeah. Malik. Malik Jefferson. Jefferson. What's that? Of these guys, Colquitt, Devalve, Ray Ray, Carl Davis, Willies, and Zettel, which one surprises you the most that we didn't keep? None of them surprised me. I guess probably Colquitt, because I think the safest bet would be to keep Colquitt. He's so proven. Um, but we have talked ad nauseum about the possibility of keeping Jamie Gillen, and we all looked around the table last week and said we're comfortable with Gillen as our punter. And so... I think they saw the savings. It's $4.4 million we save over these next two seasons by going with Gillen over Colquitt. And I think those are going to be valuable dollars, and I don't think the drop-off is going to be significant. I I think Colquitt was the most surprising cut, but it was a more analytically like aggressive play than what I would have expected from a front office of John Dorsey, Alonzo Highsmith, and Elliot Wolf. Here you oh. go. You know? Gillen, in the preseason, led our special teams in tackles. Which is kind of embarrassing. I wonder how much of that is like he was playing with like the second team special teams. Probably unit. a lot of different I, I, guys rotating through there. I don't know. But, I mean, it's certainly a valuable skill to have, if it comes down to your punter making a tackle, you have a guy who you've, feel reasonably comfortable doing you're so. making your cuts at the back of the like secondary your cornerbacks and wide receivers and stuff like there's that based on how players out there based on how he's good they play special teams yeah and he's one of them if they can everybody make a else engages their guy like gillen can make the tackle it's like, got, well it has to be him yeah <laughs> and he's lefty yeah yeah other I mean, an other slight advantage i feel like there's a lot of things working in his advantage i think the the primary one being just the cap number where we had like 2.2 million dollars in savings by going with Gillen over over Colquitt, <laughs> like that's that's something you can put that towards, say uh, a Joe Schobert contract extension next year. Do you think John Dorsey is such a meathead that he's just like, yeah, I don't care what you do on special teams, do whatever you want, analytics guys, like whatever, yeah, sign Gillen. Like, Maybe so, but like, fine. <laughs> yeah, it is fine because that's what that's what it looked like. Is like we the analytics numbers are driven driving the special teams decisions, but not the rest of them. A couple of the rest of them. Um, 
So the only thing I'm disappointed in, and this should come as no surprise to anyone that's listened to this podcast more than once, is that I have to cheer for Chad Thomas as a Cleveland Brown. Every other, all of the 52 other players I'm very excited to have on our team. He's so, the only one I don't think deserves so the spot. So you, you would have kept Zettel yeah. over Chad Thomas, and yeah. that's pretty much the only change you yep. would have made. Michael wakes up in the morning, and in his head it's just like, Zettel. No, it's not Zettel that I'm excited about. Or it's just that Chad, Chad Thomas. Thomas. Like I don't think he's done anything to earn a spot. He's just coasting on his, um, on his draft position. And honestly, Austin Corbett's approaching that same position. I mean, I feel the same about Redwine, but it's it's early in his, but his it's, career. But it's early, you know? What about Derek Willies? Are you surprised that he got cut in, in a vacuum a little we bit? We got him back on the practice squad, so... so He's on the practice squad. I also have been reading some stuff where it sounds like a lot of the practices that were not made public, he had a lot of drops. So it doesn't surprise me that Derek Willies got dropped in favor of a Damian Radley. One of the things we haven't talked about with the cut down to 53 is this Greg Robinson, Drew Forbes. It was just, just weird. situation, maneuver we dance, pulled. Yeah, this dance. I that, did like watching like people on Brown's Twitter like piss themselves whenever they saw like the headline, Cleveland Browns cut offensive tackle Greg Robinson. Well, it also came through on an ESPN update to me, which like, oh, was the first time I saw. It. I was like, "Oh, I didn't get that." What the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. I mean, he's our starting left tackle. Yeah, and by a mile, like I'm. Not a huge Greg Robinson fan. Like there's there's probably twenty eight other left tackles in the league I would take over Greg Robinson. Oh come on, twenty five. All right, wait, hold on. For 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 those listeners who don't know, what happened was we dropped um, Greg Robinson, and this was at way out of left field because why would we drop our starting left tackle? And the reason for dropping Greg Robinson was that so we could get Drew Forbes into our final fifty three man roster so that we could then place him on IR after the 53-man roster was finalized so that he could play later on in the season. So yeah. he would be eligible so, to return after eight weeks. Yes. And if, he, if you can designate an IR, a player on IR to return, you get a choice later on in the season. Someone that's on IR, you can designate a player to return, and after eight weeks, they get a chance to come back onto the road. And it was, it was a 4 p.m. deadline. So if you design, put him on IR after 4 p.m., he could return if it was before 4 p.m. He could not, but we had to be at a 53-man roster by noon of the same day. So there was like this four-hour gap where we needed to have Drew Forbes on that 53-man roster. And we needed to cut one person that we wanted to keep. And we decided that that person is our starting left tackle, Greg Robinson. Why do you think that is? Well, so I think it the – list of players who it could be gets narrowed pretty quickly by the fact that you want a player who isn't subject to waivers. So how, how it works when you cut a player in the NFL is if you have less than four years of service time in the NFL, you're subject to waivers. And any team in a kind of a snake order can place a claim on you and basically assume your contract. They can just take whatever the team you came from had signed you for and say, yeah, we'll honor that, we'll take it, go. So you want a player who's not subject to that because then you can just negotiate straight with your agent. I assume the situation here was John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf, whoever called Greg Robinson's agent, said this is the deal, 
we are going to release you for four hours. We're going to re-sign you. I think also the benefit here, as Michael had mentioned before we recorded, was that Greg Robinson's on a pretty hefty cap hit. He's making $6.4 million or $7 million or something this year. There's not many teams in the NFL that are willing to best that deal at this point in the NFL calendar to bring in an offensive lineman. And a left tackle who's worse than middle of the road. Yeah, if you if you don't already have your left tackle situated, you're probably not out on the market looking to spend eight, nine, ten million dollars to bring in a left tackle that it would take to sign Greg Robinson from us in the four hours that he was out on the market. And by the way, you guys are talking much more negatively about Greg Robinson than I ever would. I feel pretty optimistic about Greg Robinson. And maybe I just have rose-colored glasses on, but the guy seems to be in a completely different mind space than he was the first three or four seasons of his career and improved drastically last year versus where he was the rest of his career and has looked pretty solid thus far. I think we're going to have a very middle of the road, if not slightly better, left tackle starting for us this year and have a weird decision to make at the end of the year. Well, and that'd be great, but I at the same time, I don't think that anybody in the NFL community is like pining over Greg Robinson, and he's like a very safe person to kind of in this situation expose in this situation. Like in this situation, yes. In this situation, yes. Um, I completely agree. I agree. No one's gonna jump at the chance to spend ten million dollars on Greg Robinson. So this was um, a very calculated and shrewd move by the front office of the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Love it. All right, so after um, we had a couple of pickups, so we picked up Kadero Hodge, a wide receiver from the Rams. He played at the illustrious <laughs> Prairie View A&M. Um, what do you guys think about this move? Uh, we'll see what he's got. I don't really have much to say. <laughs> it seems like the Rams folks are disappointed that he's gone, so that's a positive thing. That's about all that I have. Yep. Sometimes that's all you can um, we also uh, picked up Malik Jefferson, a linebacker um, from Texas. He was a third-round pick, and he's in his second year of the NFL. I'm actually pretty hot on this move. I'm pretty excited about that. He's one of these guys that was a super highly ranked like high school recruit, really like well-regarded. He's got the athletic traits you want. And you'll hear some like longtime talent evaluators talk about how sometimes – you want to take a risk on these type of guys that just have the genes to be a successful. Like looking at the five-star high school recruits sometimes is the best way to take a flyer on somebody in the NFL because they maybe haven't had They've the right coaching. They've been good for a long time. They maybe haven't had the right coaching. They've just got what it like naturally – like they've got the right dough to work with. And if you can just kind of get the right pieces out of him. And now he's in a better environment. He's no longer the third-round pick. He's the... Just got to massage their dough a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So just I think... Need it. Listen, but... listeners, Michael wants to massage your dough. <laughs> For him to stay on the roster, though, he's got to like prove that he can play special teams at a high level um, while he develops in another role on the, on the team. So we'll see How, if he lasts long-term. Um, I think it's but, a good fit because, I mean, we can float six linebackers on this roster. I mean, we're only playing two most of the time, but you need special teams players. Darius Taylor is pretty much exclusively a special teams player. I don't want him on the field. I don't really want him on the field. So, like, being that sixth 
linebacker on this roster is, is, is a fine, safe situation to be. I want to know if he comes in and starts developing, what does this look like a year from now where we're going to move on from Kirksey? We might have a linebacker core of we could bring back Schobert, whether if Please. we don't do, we can have a linebacker core of all like second and third year players that are all really good, really athletic. And flying around, that would be killer. But I mean, Ricky Seals got Malik. cut by, or, or Malik got cut by the Bengals. So the like, Bengals they are didn't, terrible. They didn't want him. Yes, they didn't want him. He can't. You can't just assume that he's going to be someone that's going to be flying around in a great rookie contract for the Browns, like in two, three years from now. So there's a chance. The there's Bengals. Chance, but. The Bengals switched coaching staffs in the offseason. So he had to he had to learn a, se- a second defense. So it's not like he had two straight years in the same system. Um, he also was a really productive college player. He true. He he knows how to play football. There's there's something there. Whether he turns into a high level productive starting NFL linebacker, I don't know. But he's got the athletic traits to be a kick ass special teams player. So why not? Is he more of I don't know enough about Malik Jefferson. I know like top line information. What position is he well suited for? Because I always got the impression he was more of like a rush linebacker. I think he's a will. He's like a weak side linebacker, like chase, like chase and pursue. Is he like, good in coverage though? He's got the speed. I just don't know if he has the. I I I wonder what his coverage ability is, and yeah. like. Um, but anyway. but he fits the he fits the the mo of a modern NFL linebacker like he's he's um, a Steve he's, Wilkes he's mold lighter yeah like he's a perfect Steve Wilkes linebacker you you look at like a Dion Jones in Atlanta like he he fits that mold where he's fast he's undersized like twelve years ago he wouldn't have even gotten a look at being an <laughs> NFL linebacker you want to know what his number one player compass on mock draftable tell me it's Deion jones it's a former cleveland brown of the modern era oh geez uh tank carter. jamie collins tank carter go back way further modern era yeah where is this coming? andre davis further further back oh geez I brought Willie this Rainier. guy. I brought this guy up <laughs> on that little four face um, thing that popped up on Twitter the other day. Like, if you're a real Browns fan, you can recognize these players. I Cameron Wimbley. I accidentally the one that was Cameron Wimbley. I thought it was this person, Sean Thompson. Sean Thompson. Oh man, he's a ninety-one point two percent match on that, mock draft. That guy had like. He went. He left the Browns and played for some people. Like but he was like a bigger guy, and that's what the impression I've always had of Malik Jefferson is that he's a bigger dude. And so I just wonder what his like change of direction. Like I think he's like a straight line speed guy, but I don't know that he's going to be good in like in coverage. And so I wonder how usable he's going to be yeah. in base in base packages in the NFL right no, now. No, that's fair, and maybe he's not. But we've got him on a. A rookie deal right now can go play special teams, go be a banshee on the coverage, and we'll see what he develops Straight into. line on the cheap. I, I mean, there's nothing better than getting a third-round pick for basically free. Good and gracious. you're basically spending nothing to get all of the potential reward. Did you all mention his 40-yard dash time from the combine? It's like a 4-5. 4-5-2. 
Yeah, no, he's a freaking freak. That's insane. That's good. That's insane. I no, do not and it's, hate that. And it's all upside. Like, who are we going to keep? We were going to keep Ray Ray Armstrong, potentially, instead of him. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely an upgrade from Ray Ray Armstrong. But also, like, in this Steve Wilkes defense, we're going to be playing two linebackers most of the time. Like, we have an overabundance of linebackers right now. And we're going to be like, if Taki, like, Mac Wilson has looked fantastic. Uh, Taki Taki. Mac Wilson's, like, super up and down. I, I want to, like, temper your fantastic statement on Mac Wilson. Because I think he gets lost, and he does not do well when he runs into traffic. Like, he doesn't shed shed blocks very well at all right now. He's good. He's a, he's a space linebacker. He's a cover linebacker. Yeah. He is, like, very uh, He's very elite in a limited role. And it, I just don't know how much you can, like, actually put him out there. But you know who I think does do well in traffic? Taki Taki. Yeah. Yeah, no, those two. Taki loves being physical. Like yeah. you get him in space, he's he's lost. He doesn't yeah. know what to do. That's one of the most disappointing things about this preseason is that we haven't seen very much of Taki Taki because I want to see more. Yep, absolutely. Um, but then obviously we got Schobert and Kirksey. I think Kirksey's gone, and Schobert. I hope we resign, but we're not going to be playing that many linebackers. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, so we also uh, claimed Ricky Seals Jones from the Cardinals. Um, a tight end out of Texas A&M. Who was a receiver in college and then converted to tight end at the pro level. Interestingly enough, there was multiple teams, including the Steelers, that put a claim in on Ricky Seals-Jones. So he's clearly a desirable player. He was in Arizona with Freddie Kitchens. So there's obviously like some sort of knowledge of the player ahead of time. To me, like I don't know how different of a player he is than Rico Gathers. So one of those guys is going to be gone, and I just and I think they're probably just taking the chance to get a look at um, Ricky Seals Jones, and then they're going to determine which one of those guys that's really only a pass catching tight end. Like neither one of those is going to offer anything in the blocking department. And after week one, whenever Rico Gathers' um, suspension is up, one of those guys is going to be out the door and. We'll see. They've got a base. He's got a week or two tryout to see if he deserves a roster spot on the 2019 Cleveland Browns. Who do you think it's going to be? I have no clue, and I don't really care. <laughs> Not going to see the field that much. Um, all right. So we got a game coming up. That is what is about to happen. A Cleveland Browns regular season 2019. We're finally going to get to see this team in action. Week one against the Titans. So as you probably know, we live in Nashville. And so we, we know a lot of people who are Titans fans. Honestly, Titans fans are not that great. Um, but we decided... Pretty terrible, to be honest. One of our friends is going to come on the pod, so we gave him a call. Christian Boyd. Christian, welcome to the pod. I'm so honored to be your esteemed Titans analyst. Man, yeah. this is just great. Here you are. You are the cream of the crop, Christian, and don't you forget it. You have a... Like you this ha- is the, the only benefit I've ever had of being a Titans fan is this right here. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what you deserve for um, being a Tennessee fan. I'm so sorry about last week. Yeah. Hey, yeah. no, you know what? It's okay. Georgia State's a tough out, you know? <laughs> Some, somebody had to lose to him. Yeah, that's right. Weren't they like Actually, two no and, one, no two and nine or something them. last year? Yeah, they were two and ten. Let's get that right. I mean, I drove home questioning whether or not I could do this anymore. 
And it's a long drive. I mean, it's 40 minutes, and I'm just sitting in silence, just thinking. You're thinking about swerving real hard to the right. (laughs) I mean, you guys know how that is. It's just like you put all your time and energy into a team that just never wins. It's hard. Yeah, Uh. we absolutely know how that is. Christian, I got a couple questions for you. Um, First things first. um, How's it going to feel to lose to the Cleveland Browns? Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Well, let's be honest here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the last uh, three years, we've lost our opening day game and ended up with a winning record. The two years before that, when we won our opening day game, we won three games. So I, I don't know that it's all a bad thing. So you're, you're like there's, prepared there's to lose to luck. the Browns. Pre- oh, absolutely. Wait, didn't we lose? What was it like three years ago? The, the biggest comeback in, in NFL history. history. Was that? Biggest road yeah. comeback in NFL history. Biggest road comeback. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Uh, <laughs> what is it going to feel anything like that Tennessee loss the other day? Absolutely not. The Browns are the hot team this year. It, um, it's not Georgia State. Absolutely not. The Browns have a good team, and I'm really excited to see them play. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think that it's going to be a barn. Like I don't think I don't think you guys are going to blow us out or anything like that. I think the defense is going to be ready to play. I worry about the Titans' offense matching up against y'all's defense, but. Fair enough. Is that know. is that what you're most scared of playing the Browns? How your offense is going to be able to where, put up points? Yeah, where is Miles Garrett going to be? That's what I'm most scared of. We don't have Lawan for four games, and we're going to face Miles Garrett. Uh, How's the rest of that offensive day. line? Good. Uh, I mean, they there's there's questions at the right guard spot. We got Saffold, who's taking the left guard spot, and we just re-signed Ben Jones. And ben Jones is actually pretty good. He's just kind of suffered because. We haven't had guards there the last couple of years. And so getting Saffold in should sure up the middle of the defense. And we've kind of been rotating guys into that that right guard spot. So we're still trying to figure it out. But Conklin's great too. Conklin's on the other side. And he's actually, he has ACL torn last year. But now he's all fixed up and ready to go. So, so Arthur Smith's new offensive coordinator, is there any like monumental changes? Or are they kind of just keeping the same boring system they had last year? Arthur Smith has been there since Marcus got drafted. So he's been there to see when Marcus was really good back in his first and second year and when Marcus is really bad. So hopefully he's going to take a little bit of that and work the good stuff into the system because we haven't had Marcus good in two years. You know, I remember what it was like to talk myself into thinking my team was going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> thank, thank you. Um, this is great. So Christian, um, what should the Browns be scared of? I'd be afraid of the defense. Uh, I, I know you guys, your offensive line is rough, right? Isn't that the story? I mean, I'd be, I'd be afraid of Jarrell Casey, Harold Landry, Cameron Wake, Daquan Jones. Like they've got a really good front seven and the secondary is not bad either. I mean, a Dory Jackson's turned out to be, to be pretty good. I mean, he's not a stud, but he's, he's definitely worthy of a starting spot. Malcolm Butler had a rough first half of the year last year, but he came on strong at the end. Uh, and then Kevin Byard's just one of the best safeties in the league. So he killed us. I, that time. is true. Oh my goodness! Like he's he's really really good. And so the defense is great. The other question would be, is Derrick Henry what he was at the last six games of last season, or is he what he's been for the majority of his career? Christian, what do you think the score is? Oh my goodness! Uh, let's see. Mark, you told me today that the Browns haven't won an opening day game in quite some time. In quite some time. When was the last time that they won an opening day? You game? don't want to know who our starting quarterback was in that game? 
Jeff Garcia. Wow. I think it was like 2005. Just five. It's been a couple, long time. A couple years after we came back. Long time. Long time. Let's go 21-17. Give me Tennessee. We'll see, see how that guys. plays for you, Christian. Bold move. <laughs> see you, man. Okay. Peace out. Browns have only won one opening day game since, since they come we've back. Been back. Yeah. That is so bad. <laughs> That's so much worse than even our record over that time period. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so bad. It's 118 and 1. Which is saying something. That's when was that Jeff Garcia game? Was that right, 2005? Uh, Jeff Garcia, the win was 2004. Okay. So this week one, 2019. Is there a chance that we break the streak? Are we going to win this week against the Titans? Michael, Matthew. Do you realize that for us to get to 500 on opening days, it's going to be like 2038 or something like <laughs> that before we can get in the like neutral ground? Yeah. One of us might be dead by that <laughs> point. Like, it was like that. I saw one time a stat of how long it would take Hugh Jackson to have a better winning record than Bill Belichick. And it was like. He'd <laughs> <laughs> have to win like 80 straight games or something. Yeah, like. something absurd. That would never happen. All right. So, Sorry, I completely ignored yeah. your question. No, you're good. I love it. Week one um, against the Titans. What do you guys think? What are you guys predicting for the game? I'm like so optimistic every week one. Like, I remember feeling so solid that, like, people were underestimating the Browns going in to play the Steelers last year, and that proved to be fairly accurate. We tied that game. That was uh, so much fun to watch last year. Um, I'm legitimately uncomfortable being a favored team, and I just don't know what to do with my hands. I don't – like, it just doesn't feel right. So I don't have a good read or feel on this whole situation because – the Titans aren't a pure like pushover. They're a solid opponent to be playing in week one. They have good players on their team. Their roster is pretty decent. And so if we don't show up, like we can definitely lose this game. Yeah, I think the Titans, it's uncomfortable because the Titans are, are pretty good. I think we're getting them at a right time. They're a potential playoff team. But we're getting them... They've got a new offensive coordinator. They don't have their left tackle. I mean, I'm, there's no particular like group position group on this Titans team that scares me. I think Kevin Byard is probably their like flashiest best player. Well, I mean, right? Marcus Mariota can do a lot. But if like, Marcus Mariota is healthy, but he might Marcus not even Mariota be on the team next year. Vi- yeah, but that's because of his injury concerns. And they can't continue to keep Marcus Mariota on the team when he's going to miss so many games as their starting quarterback. They can't pay him a crazy salary. But at the They're going to have to let him go. But when he is healthy, when Marcus Mariota is playing well, Marcus Mariota is very good. Marcus Mariota might be the fastest player in the NFL. He is ridiculous. So I don't think he's the fastest player in the NFL. But I'm also not concerned about Mariota at this point in his career, like going out and winning a game by himself. Like I, th- I think he's a good quarterback, and yes. I think there are teams that could do much worse than having Marcus Mariota as a quarterback. Absolutely, I would rather have Mariota as my quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. Like I would rather have Mariota as my quarterback than anything you've got in Miami right now. Like yeah, there, there's sure. a bunch of teams that I think could do better with Mariota. I'm not worried about him winning the game against us. And my point is that I'm not worried about any position group on this Titans team 
taking over this football game, which makes it hard for me to evaluate. Like, I think they're fine across the board. And I think uh, they're well coached, too. Like, I, I like Vrabel. I think Vrabel's going to have them prepared, and that like makes me concerned, given that Vrabel has not that much more, but more experience as a head coach going against Freddie Kitchens, and it's his first ever game as a head coach in the regular season. Like, that's a legitimate... That's a legitimate factor heading into the early part of this season in particular. And we've got hard games in the early part of this season. So the one thing that really does make me feel better about this is that Taylor LeJuan suspension. Like, they have some good players in the offensive line, and Taylor LeJuan is the best, and he's not in this game. And our defensive line is pretty definitively the best position group that we have on our entire team. Yeah, I mean, with LeJuan, they've got probably one of the better offensive lines in the league. Without Lawan, they are below average. They're on our tier. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> and then you've got pass rushers who get to abuse swing tackles, and yeah. only good things can come out of that for the Browns. That's going to happen, and I like our coverage ability on the outside. Oh, absolutely. Uh, particularly against their like subpar group of wide receivers. Well, they, they don't have any wide receivers that are That's particularly you. concerning, right? I mean, you you've got Delaney Walker who's coming off of an injury at tight end who is admittedly been a really productive like dangerous weapon at wide or at tight end, but you don't know what he's going to be like coming off that Achilles injury and Corey Davis up there in age, like Corey Davis, never been impressive. Adam Humphreys is coming onto the team. AJ Brown's a rookie. He's not terribly explosive. Hasn't played a lot in the preseason because he's been dealing with an injury. I like him long term, but in his first NFL game, I don't fine. I like your point about no position group or like part of the Titans like concerning you. Where do you That's think true. we? Where do you think we lose? Like matchup to matchup against the Titans. I think the only thing, like their def- Christian hit on this that their defense is their strength. Like he feels good about their defense matching up to us. That's true. Maybe their D line against our O line is yeah. the only like yep. position group matchup that we might lose. Probably, but like if you look at their defensive line versus our defensive line, like ours is so much more oh, menacing, for sure. so much more difficult to handle. So. I think overall I just feel pretty solid about it, but I'm trying not to get too excited. I mean, the Titans went 9-7 and seven last year. They're no pushover. Um, they, they won a decent amount of games. I mean, they beat the Texans last year. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Patriots. They crushed the Patriots 34-10. to 10. I that, was, that was an anomaly game. That oh, was of like, course. I mean, we beat the Patriots by about that many, like back in what was like 2000... Like 10 or 11. 10 or something like that? Yeah. The game when uh, Reggie Hodges like ran for like an eighty yard fake punt touchdown. <laughs> oh, that was the most delicious play <laughs> in NFL wedge. history. Speed of which, I cannot wait for fake punts with, with the Jamie Scottish Gillen. Hammer. Yeah. Dude's an athlete. Like played, yeah, played it'll, rugby. It'll happen a few times in his career and it'll be glorious every time it happens. Um so I I will say we were talking about areas where we could lose against the Titans where they could have an advantage. Special We've teams. struggled in tackling. Derrick Henry is like a tackle-breaking machine. I want to see us be really solid in the run game on defense, and that is one I could see them just keep moving the chains, slowing the game down, and like squeaking out like a, a tight 
W. If there's a way for the Titans to win, like I think that's the path to victory. I think that's very fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Slipping through tackles, so, just keep moving the chains. So yeah. is that, like, not to be super negative, but if the Browns lose this game, like, looking back, is is that what you think does it? Like, the Titans are able to control the ground game, like Derrick Henry has runs for 140 yards and two touchdowns. If they and, dominate the time of possession, I mean, you can create a narrative where Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Jarvis haven't played together much. They're a little rusty. They don't connect like quite like you would expect them to in week one. Yeah, it leads to more three and outs than you would expect, and pretty quickly it's easy to see a low-scoring tight game that could go either way. You get a fluke turnover that puts them in position to, yeah. to get some easy points. Yeah. So, I mean, flips. games in the NFL are determined by how, how things start early on and by turnovers. You know, right. If you can jump out to an early lead and can force more turnovers, um, you're in a good position to win. So, we'll see. All right, so with that being said, Michael, you're doom and gloom, which is a good chance. That is a possibility. What do you think happens in this game? Score prediction oh, from Michael. Score prediction and MVP. Who gets a game ball? Could be so, for the Titans. It could be Derrick Henry. Who knows? Cameron Wake, the ageless wonder. Absolutely. The MVP be. is going to be a defensive lineman. Harold Landry. It's going to be either Olivier or Miles Garrett. I think it's going to just absolutely shine, which is what we saw last year in week one. Do you remember how Miles just completely dominated that game? Like, Miles Garrett single handedly brought us back in that game against the Steelers. He forced multiple fumbles at the second half of that game and was just ridiculous. Just annihilating Villanueva for the Steelers. Something similar is going to happen this year with their terrible left and right tackles. So I would say that's the MVP. We need to create some turnovers. Score prediction, though? I am nervous because I just don't feel like I've seen our whole offense. And I just don't want to over-project what it could be even though I know the ceiling is, like, astronomical. I would say if I have a score prediction, it's, like, Browns 24, Titans 17, something like that. Hmm. That was right around where I was going. Matthew? Yeah, so I I think actually having Miles and Olivier coming off the edge is actually going to help mitigate that tight end threat from Delaney Walker. They're going to need to keep an extra blocker in to, to deal with that threat. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to double miles and leave everybody else on single like single blocks? No, you're going to have to leave a running back or a tight end in, in to block to help out Marriott and give them time. So I think my MVP is actually going to be Olivier because I think he's going to get single cover or just kind of one-on-one. Or Sheldon blocking. or Larry. Maybe Sheldon and Larry. Lawrence. Yeah. Devereaux. Devereaux could, could, could get it. I don't, I don't, Olivier hasn't gotten a single blocker in a number of years since he came from Miami, signed that big deal in New York. I think he's up for a rebirth. Um, I think the Titans are going to put him one-on-one against Jack Conklin at right tackle because he's probably their, one of their strongest offensive linemen, so they have to. And I think he's going to dominate because he's, he's an all-pro type player who we have coming off as our second defensive end. Um, 
My score prediction, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 31 to 13. Wow. Do you think it's going to be that dominant? I think it's going to be bold. So here's the thing. These these Browns games all year, I'm going to think this, that if we get out to a lead, it's going to blow up. Because That's true. It, because it's going to play into the we're strength. Built, we're it's built that way. Play into the strength of our defense. If if we can score early, get get ahead by a touchdown or two, maybe ten points, it plays into our strength. We get to put our our nickel dime defense just rush the passer. Teams are trying to come back like that. When is we just gonna snowball. I'm gonna be super interested to see how our offense executes when we're up in those situations. I feel like so many times you see teams get too conservative and let the other team back in. God, <laughs> God bless you, Michael. I don't know if I've ever sneezed on the podcast. That's at that least no, the, that's that's number two. Mark, Mark was counting. No, no, for no, years. no. That's number three. That's number three. That's the third sneeze on the pod. Let's go. Oh gosh, well done, Michael. And coming. I think you're if I call all it three out. of them. <laughs> oh man. I used to do it from my closet, though, in Jacksonville before I moved up here. And I think that just kind of breeds a little more dust than, the than we're balls. currently experiencing up here in this bonus room. Oh, man. Right, so I don't even know what I was saying. Um, oh, execution. And our offensive line is obviously, like, a big concern. If we, like, are, have to be running the ball and want to be moving the chains, like, I'm curious to see if we're are able, we able to, to do, do that. It? Yeah. It's a huge question mark. But, but, I, but I don't think we have to because you can run, like, short screens. You can run things that are extensions of the running game, whether it's the Jarvis or Odell, or you could run, like, a short slant to Higgins who runs good routes. Like, you can do creative things. I hope that's the route we go instead of just handing it off to Nick Chubb if it's not effective. Like, if Nick Chubb's getting six yards a carry, by all means, just – Give them the freaking ball, it off. but if it's not effective, like don't keep trying to beat a dead horse. Like there's more creative ways that we can get six yards when we need to. The thing about it is, our offense is going to be able to do all kinds of things. Whatever, whatever we want to do, whatever situation our offense is in, I I feel very confident that our offense is going to be able to handle it. I mean, like if we're trying to pound the ball nonstop. We will be able to do that depending on how well our offensive line plays to be able to run the ball. But, I mean, I feel very confident about Nick Chubb. Um, I'm more confident in our offensive line run blocking I am than, too. I, than I am pass blocking. And, and whenever we're pass blocking, I think we're going to be in um, heavy protection. We're going to have tight ends in, and we're going to be able to pass block. And having Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry out there, that's gonna, it's going to be all right. Um, so my score prediction for this game is I think that the Browns are going to score. I'm not as not as optimistic as you are, Matthew. I think we're going to score 27 points. Um, I think the 30s is high, but I think we're only going to give up. I'm going to say 14 because I think we get up early and the Titans are constantly trying to go for it, and they're not ever trying to kick field goals because they're trying to score more points. Um, I'm going to say 27-14. Browns win. That big of a range. I, I really agree. I think we're going to go up early, and I think that our defensive line is going to be suffocating. I, I, I think you're absolutely right, Matthew, that everyone does not know what's coming with Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett both going full force. 
And freaking Ogunjobi. Ogunjobi's nasty. Devar, Devra Lawrence is nasty. And being able to cycle those three through, like... Sheldon Richardson, Devra also will nasty. get the, the fewest snaps of the three. Oh, he absolutely Deservedly will. so. But being able to cycle those through... Okunjobi was a monster the first eight games last year until he just got beat to hell. I think he tore his biceps. Like, he's just a freak. It's going to be good. He's going to have a year, and it's going to be incredible. We're very excited for that. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about – so one of the things that we're going to do all throughout the season, this is the first week of our season. Every single Monday we're going to be recording a podcast after Brown's win hopefully um we are going to pick um the primetime games so me michael matthew starting this week are going to go through all the primetime games look at the vegas lines and we are going to pick um who we think are going to win those to be clear we record on monday night so the primetime games we're referring to are really just the thursday night game and the sunday night game and then we will also pick the Browns game every week relative to the lines. This is just like what Bill Simmons and Sal do on their podcast. No, it's not. It's not at all. They project what the lines are going to be. Sorry, forget that I ever said that. But we're, we're picking relative to the lines. If we were betting on the game, um, which side are we going to pick? And we're just keeping tally throughout the whole season. As if we're I'm going much to better at this than Matthew and Mark, as evidenced <laughs> by last season. I won 60% didn't, didn't of the picks. did you barely win the first season of the pod? I've won like, both. I was winning most of the year. And, and then, then I proved to be to better. Win. Yes. And then I <laughs> proved to be better again last year. I think I think all of this has taught us that Mark is just consistently bad at this. Hey, he got second. He beat the crap out of you last year. So I wouldn't say I know, but I was winning most of the first season. And Mark was like way back, if I remember. Mark you, was like hey, like 30%. Matthew, it's a clean slate, so none of us can say anything about anyone this year. It's all a clean on, slate. You hold on to that, Matthew. The first season, I flipped a coin every time. <laughs> <laughs> it got that bad. Just I, I was trying to entertain the people. All right, so we're going to pick the lines every week. It's going to be the Thursday night game, the Saturday night game, and then we're going to pick the Browns game. Michael, did you look up what the lines were this week? What we got? First game, Thursday night. Everyone already knows what it is because they're excited because it's the first real football game of the year. Green Bay Packers heading to Chicago to play the Bears, where the Bears are favored by three and a half points. I'm going to pick Matthew to make his first selection here. Bears favored by three and a half playing against the division rival Green Bay Packers with the new coach, Matt LaFleur. This is tough because you don't know what Green Bay is going to be. I mean, you've got the the ever-steady constant in Aaron Rodgers uh, with a new coach for the first time in his career. Um, Not really the first time in his career, but kind of a a, a change in coaching philosophy and staff for the first time in his career. Yep. Um, I don't love the Chicago team. I don't love their offense. Um, I love. It's Matt, hard to love, love their Matt offense Nagy. when you don't like the quarterback. Exactly. But that's like the one difficult spot. Yeah, but in the NFL, you suck if you don't have a quarterback. So right. I'm kind of torn on this. I'm going to take Green Bay plus the points. Matthew with Green Bay. Mark. Um, the Battle of the Mats. I really don't like Matt LaFleur. I watched Matt LaFleur and what he did in Tennessee. I have no idea how he got a head coaching job. The Titans' offense last year was not good. It was not a good offense. He didn't do any of the things that he promised to do. Um, I love Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but this 
Bears defense, I think, is just going to absolutely dominate. I take the Bears 100%. I, I like Matt Nagy a lot. Um, I think the Bears are a better overall team, and I think they have a better head coach. Um, I am also picking the Bears. I mostly am picking the home team here, to be perfectly honest. It's like Chicago. I know what that place is going to be like. I like the roster talent overall. It's Chicago versus Green Bay, and I'm just hoping it's going to win out in combination with the home team. Um, Mitchell Trubisky scares me, though. Um, As he should. Yeah. So moving on, we'll go in reverse order here, making these next picks. Pittsburgh at New England, Sunday night. What a banging first Sunday night football matchup. That is killer. The This is a surprising line to me, actually. I would have thought this would have been a little closer. It is in New England, but they are favored by six and a half points in this game against the Steelers. So I'll make my first pick. That six and a half point line is just too much for me. The Steelers team is good. They've added some young like speed and some additional talent on the defensive side of the ball with Devin Bush in particular. That defensive line is real solid. Their offensive line is still great. They've hardly downgraded. The Antonio Brown piece is the big question mark on offense, but I think the Steelers are every bit as good, every bit as talented as New England. It comes down to a coaching situation to me as far as New England's advantage, and that's not enough for me to give New England a whole six and a half points. So I'm going to give Pittsburgh the chance to cover on that at least, if not win. So um, Pittsburgh for me. I am going to go with the New England Patriots. I Honestly, have you ever seen a wide receiver room like Tom Brady has right now? Okay, he's got Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. He has Demarius Thomas. And Demarius Thomas. With Josh Gordon also added. I, I really don't think Tom Brady's had, at least not in the past five years, certainly, he's never had this many wide receiving weapons. Um, they're not the traditional wide receiving weapons that he's had before, but I and he re- doesn't have a tight end to throw to. He does not, but he has a Demarius Thomas who is basically a tight end, and he has Josh Gordon. I I feel like Tom Brady is going to have more options than he's ever had before. Um, I do think that the Patriots usually come on in the second half of the season, um, but I mostly just want the Patriots to win by more than a touchdown. Um, I'm going to go with Patriots. All right. Matthew. I didn't want to pick the same thing as you. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think the Patriots have way too many points here. Um, I This Pittsburgh roster, yeah, they've lost Le'Veon Bell. They've lost Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was going into his year 32 season. I mean, I think he was – I don't know how much they've lost losing Antonio Brown. Like, he's been great, but at some point you have to move on from a player. They replace him with Juju Smith-Schuster. They've got other wide receivers on the roster who are looking good. You go into New England, and this New England offense looks way different than it has in the past years. They don't have a tight end of note. I can't name a tight end on the roster. I think they've got a guy named Lacoste and, and a few other random guys. Ben Watson? Ben Watson is suspended for the first couple games for some sort of performance-enhancing drug something. Uh, Tom Brady is going into – he's 42, 43. 
I don't think he throws the deep ball as well. Like arm strength goes. Like he was noticeably not as good last year as he has been. I don't know how. What was Josh Gordon's best route whenever he was a Brown? The deep route. No, or, it no, was the slant. The, the quick slant. It was the quick but slant. And Josh Tom Gordon, Brady can certainly still throw a quick slant. Josh Gordon was also not as good last year no, for as, sure not. as he was with the Browns. Like Josh Gordon's now 28-29 instead of 22-23 when he was with the Browns. There, there are things about this offense that concern me. They certainly have the names that they haven't had in years past, but I don't know if that translates to the field. I'm going to take the underdog, Pittsburgh, in, in this case, where I like their defense a lot. I'm concerned about some of their corners, but I like their front seven a ton. I'm going to take them plus the points. All right. And I don't even think we have to pick the Browns after we all gave our record prediction. Yeah. We'll our just, score we'll, prediction. We'll just do it's, it quick. I mean, the Browns are favored by five points in this game. We're at home hosting the Titans. And we're, we've got five points. We all predicted that the Browns would win by more than five points. So it's a clean sweep, I assume, for us picking the Browns. Yeah, that I think is the case. I think it's going to be a darn near disaster if the Browns lose this game. Oh, because looking on at the first seven games before our bye week, it's rough. Like, we really need to come out the gates and definitely win this one. But ideally win this and week two versus the Jets. Because then week three we're playing the Rams. That's going to be a tough game. No doubt. If we're coming in 2-0, and that's great. We at least need to be 1-1 one and one after those first two games. Heading to the road in New, New York is going to be no joke next week. But this game is going to help set the tone for the season. Yeah, we gotta if, if we have playoff aspirations, if we have anything more than... Just like being a having a winning record, this is a game you have to win coming out of the gate. If we if we don't win this and then win against New York, how do you expect to win against LA, who was in the Super Bowl last year at home in Week Three? Like, well, you just do what the Patriots did. I them. will say too. I will say too. Every si- and this is like the one tempering like optimist optimism comment I will make before just getting really excited for football. Every week in week one, something crazy happens. One team looks ridiculous. One team looks really bad. And, like, you completely judge a team over the course of the whole – like the Jets last year just crushed on, like, Monday Night Football in week one, and they looked phenomenal. And we thought that Sam Darnold was the next coming. And that proved to not be the case over the majority of the season. So whatever happens, whether the Browns disappoint or the Browns kill it, we can't overreact to whatever happens in this game in week one. So regardless of what happens this week, all right, we got Grandpa's prediction. Grandpa says nine and seven. He's he's reeled that back a little bit from all the preseason hype. Week one, here yeah, I'm we pretty are. sure Grandpa said eleven and five or twelve and four <laughs> earlier in the off season. Like I'm after have to the take that out of the pod archives. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> we'll yeah, he's he's become a little more. He's scaled that back a good bit. He's remembered past seasons, but here we are, week one. We haven't played the Titans yet. At the end of the 2019 NFL season, what is the Browns' record, Michael? I'm not wavering from any of the statements I've made throughout this entire off season. At, after we got Odell and like we're you know, resembled the roster that we currently have and saw our schedule, 
the way I see it, if we look at just our in-division games, we haven't had a winning division record since we've been back, I don't think. Even no. that 2007 season. So I think 4-2 and two is like a home run in the division. I feel pretty good about the Bengals games. And then if we split with the Ravens and the Steelers, I think that's great. So I think that's ideal. I think it's more realistic to call it 3-3 three and three in the division. And then we have tough games on the schedule. We play the Patriots these first seven games. Like I could see us realistically losing any of those games if you look at them individually. If we come out of that three and four, four and three, I think that's where we're going to be. One of those is a division game against the Ravens. Naturally, I see us, if we perform well, we'll be a 10 and 16. And 10 and six makes you the playoffs 90% of the time. And all Probably I'm, more than that. Well, it didn't in 2007. Seven. And honestly, my only goal for the Cleveland Browns in 2019 is to make the playoffs. I hope that we do more, but my like stated goal is to make the playoffs. 10 and 6 gets us there, and I think that's a realistic way to view the season. I think unlike previous years, the schedule just falls really favorable to us. Um, we come out of the gate with two potentially winnable games. The schedule gets difficult, admittedly, but then the last eight games are, are very winnable. So I've got us at 11 and 5. I've got losses at Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, and then against the Patriots, the Rams, and the Seahawks to make us 11 and 5. So what you're saying is is we're going to sweep the final one. No, you're going to say at Steelers the we're going to win 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 of the last 8 games. Where is the loss there? Those teams are terrible. Like I think it's almost a harder sell to sell me that we lose three of those games than we win all but one. Yeah, makes sense. It's always such a crapshoot. Like I would not be surprised if we You lost. lose games that you shouldn't yeah, you should yeah. lose games you shouldn't lose and you win games that you wouldn't expect to win. Exactly. I mean, it happened. always it always happens. So like I, I could go through every single game and I say, yeah, we're gonna be eleven and five. Right? So I guess you like flip flop one. I, I have consistently said ten and six and I really don't want to pick the same thing as Michael said, but I, I really think it's ten and six. I think that's the number. I think that's what we are. I mean, I, I and wouldn't that's be surprised. fantastic. Uh, yeah, like ten no. and six. Think about telling us two years ago after an zero and sixteen season that this year we were going to be ten and six. Like we're dancing in the streets thinking we're, about ten and six. Where this year we're going to be predicting that we're going to be ten and six. Imagine all the times that we predicted all sorts of outlandish things. Um, and been excited about all sorts of stupid things. I think we predicted like five <laughs> or like eight and eight, and we went zero oh and sixteen or something like that. I'm pretty sure I gave us six wins that year, but that's six more wins than we had. Yeah, <laughs> really so we might be four and twelve this year. Really rough, really rough. Well, I'm hoping we do go ten and six. If we do, this will be by far the breast, the breast, the breast. <laughs> wow. All right. Ooh. Um, the best Brown season in recent memory, um, except for the 2007 season, but we'll actually make the playoffs this time. Um, that will wrap it up. This has been the Breast Browns podcast you've heard this week. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.